0: Joining us today on the Dialogos Radio for this week's edition of the Dialogos interview series is Turkish journalist Gürkan Ozturan, who will speak to us about all of the latest developments coming out of Turkey. And Gürkan, thank you for joining us once again on our program.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And it feels great to be one hour closer to the Western uh, world again.
0: All right, so uh, let's begin by discussing the upcoming Turkish constitutional referendum. What are the changes which are being placed before the electorate?
1: Well, on April 16, Turkish people will be voting on a new constitutional referendum. And uh, this constitutional referendum is uh, actually a result of 18 different clauses that have passed in the parliamentary uh, vote, but they have failed to uh, Uh, They have failed to amend these uh, constitutional clauses in the parliament, uh, which needed 367 votes, but uh, they failed much below it. And uh, approximately 330 votes have been cast for each uh, and every one of them. So this meant that uh, we were to have a referendum on them. But uh, the president and the government uh, had announced that even though it had passed 367, it would still be taken to a referendum. So what is uh, in this constitutional referendum? Basically, this has been declared as a change of regime by the opposition parties in Turkey. Uh, When I say opposition, actually this does not cover all the parties because the far-right nationalist movement party, which is the fourth biggest parliamentary party at the moment, is uh, at the moment uh, in an alliance with the governing AK AK party. And uh, this has caused a divide in their voter base, of course. But uh, what is there in the uh, constitutional referendum? Well, uh, there is one clause that I actually personally uh, support, which is uh, dropping the age of getting elected to 18. I actually agree with the governing party that uh, the, uh, the age of getting elected into the parliament should also be dropped from 25 to 18. If you're able to vote, you should be able to get elected. But apart from that, there are uh, some structural changes to the, uh, to the constitution and the sy- system of governance in the country. So uh, the accusation from the opposition is that this is a change of regime, but the government says this is not a change of regime, but only the governance style in Turkey. First of all, there is a very there is a very basic change in the structure of the judicial body. The judicial body will be appointed directly by uh, a good majority of the members of judicial body will be appointed directly by the president and the remaining will be appointed by uh, the parliament which will again uh, be from the same party as as the governing president. The president will be the leader of the government and the leader of the country and he will be directly elected and he will appoint all the ministers. There is a problem in that because uh, in the parliamentary system a majority of the ministers were being actually first elected into the parliament and from among the uh, members of parliament they would be selected uh, by the leader of the leader of whoever is going to form the coalition or for, uh, form the government the president previously gave the mandate to one person to form the government and this person would prepare a list of uh, a list of the cabinet and this would be taken to a vote of confidence. But in the in the system that is being proposed, the president will be appointing ministers depending on his will, and the number of ministers are not actually uh, declared. There can be as many ministers as the president likes, and there can be as many vice presidents as uh, the president likes. And this uh, this actually presents a problem, especially. In the days when uh, the azerbaijani president has appointed his wife as vice president and the turkish president has uh, has actually always uh, had his daughter as his advisor uh, who is getting paid uh, uh, for advising his uh, her father and then uh, there is another uh, case that the, the vote of no confidence in the parliament, so the parliamentary power of voting a government down, is being taken away from the gov- uh, from the parliament, and the will of the people that is represented in the parliament is being taken away. So there is going to be no parliamentary oversight over the uh, over the power of the president, and the parliament actually will become obsolete. There will only be a duty of preparing and drafting laws and not laws even, uh, just the proposals and the drafts, and these will be put onto a vote, and the president will have a right to say yes or no, uh, to approve or reject these proposals. Previously again, the the president would be the one to approve or reject these proposals, but at least it would be the government, uh, it would be the parliament and the government that would uh, in fact be uh, responsible for creation of of the new laws. It's claimed that there is no evolution of the parliament uh, in the new constitution, but uh, the, in the opposition parties, uh, the CHP and the HDP, they are saying that the, the new president will actually will actually be uh, responsible in approving the parliament's position. That uh, let's assume that. In an election, the president and the parliament, who are going to be voted in the same day, are actually from different parties. Let's say the president is from party A and the parliament majority is from party B. The, uh, the president, as the directly elected leader of the government, will have a, uh, will have a possibility to say, I do not l- like the constitution of this parliament, so let's uh, renew the elections for the parliament, not for the president. And this is presenting a problem because, uh, as we we remember from last year uh, or the year before, in fact, uh, in 2015, after June elections, the president Erdogan had said that he does not think that the nation has uh, given the right choice and the nation should repeat their vote until the correct one comes out of it when his party had lost the parliamentary majority to form a single party government. This uh, was the case and for more than three months uh, the government talks have failed to uh, reach a consensus where a proper government would be formed. And eventually we had to have another snap elections in, uh, in on November 1st 2015 where his party had received again uh, half of the vote. And then there is another uh, crucial element of this constitutional referendum, which uh, says that the president will not be uh, answering to judiciary even after his term, so the president cannot be put on trial, although the governing party says that uh, the president will be uh, able to be put on trial after two-thirds of the majority, uh, two-thirds of the parliament says uh, that the president should be put on trial. and. Only after that, uh, the president would be answering to judiciary. Currently at the uh, at the proposed system, I do not really see the presence of checks and balances, which are the essence of democratic governance. And I do not see that uh, it is actually representing the will of the nation, but uh, the biggest majority so I think uh, we can summarize the constitutional referendum in these, but uh, there are 18 clauses, in fact.
0: So far, what are the indications regarding the potential result of the upcoming referendum and the mood of the public in Turkey leading up to the referendum?
1: Well, there is actually a very uh, varied uh, reactions towards uh, the referendum. Uh, one of the sentiments in the street is that uh, there is a great level of listlessness uh, regarding the referendum, that uh, the majority of the people that I see around are not really enthusiastic or really passionate about the referendum. I remember in the previous years, whenever there was going to be a kind of election or a referendum, uh, especially on the governing party side, there would be uh, millions of people on the streets passionate and uh, Joyful about uh, the upcoming elections or the referendum, they would have hopes and dreams about uh, the afterwards of the election. But uh, currently, what I see is uh, there are a bunch of people who are quite strongly uh, supportive of the constitutional referendum, but they do not seem as passionate. And when I look at the uh, when I look at the political rallies in this uh, in the various cities. Again, I can say that there is a lack of uh, passion uh, in the in the supporters of uh, the governing party, even though there are still f- fanatical support uh, in some cases. But uh, another thing I see is that there is a, a great level of tension on the streets. There are only yes campaigns all around, only in certain districts and certain places. There are a few no campaigns going on and no posters uh, available, but... Majority of the country is uh, actually covered in yes, 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 uh, slogans all around. And there has been announced a report by the main opposition party, CHP, last week, which has uh, reported 143 attacks against no campaigners. And they have likened this situation to the military coup, uh, to the junta of 1980s, uh, where the previous constitution of Turkey was drafted. So uh, I can say that uh, either there is listlessness or tension on the street. But uh, coming up to the referendum, I think this tension is being lifted uh, gradually as people are, are becoming more and more sure of their vote.
0: We are on the air with Turkish journalist Gürkan Osteran here on the Lealogos Radio and the Lealogos interview series. What do you believe Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan is ultimately trying to achieve by holding this referendum?
1: I think even though he seems to be the leader of this uh, constitutional referendum, I think uh, this was the inevitable case... Uh, when uh, the third biggest political party in Turkey the HDP the Kurdish uh, party which stands for Peoples Democratic Party has passed the 10% election threshold 10% election threshold currently presents uh, as the world record holder in the world uh, turkey has the highest election threshold in the uh, all around the world and this was brought as uh, Mechanism to prevent ethnic parties uh, from getting into the parliament and people to be forced to vote for strategic parties in order for their vote to be counted in the parliament. So, uh, seeing that in uh, June 2015 elections and November uh, 2015 elections, this uh, election threshold has been obsolete uh, in terms of preventing. Uh, Democratic parties or minority parties or ethnic parties, etc. I think uh, this constitutional referendum has been prepared in a way not only for the one person to become the president, uh, the ultimate president, but uh, also to prevent any other future possibility of uh, challenges to the essence of the system itself.
0: How has Erdogan consolidated power and authority in Turkey since last summer's coup attempt, in your view?
1: Well, I think in order for uh, seeing uh, what kind of methods have been applied to consolidate power and authority, uh, we might need to go a bit further than last summer because I think it has, uh, it has a history more than a decade long. But uh, if we specifically focus on uh, what has happened since summer, i can say the first thing that comes to my mind is the fir- is one of the first things that has uh, happened right after the coup attempt is that uh, a state of emergency has been announced and uh, on the uh, on july 22nd uh, turkish government has declared state of emergency which uh, basically is Almost martial law without the military itself. Of course in the Kurdish cities this uh, has been more uh, violent than in the West uh, and the government has uh, has announced that it would be uh, their lives people's lives would be no different than before and that state of emergency would only mean that uh, there would be peaceful transition towards uh, regular de- regular days being spent but, more than 121,000 people have been dismissed from their duties, from their jobs. Uh, state officers, uh, policemen, teachers, lawyers, and uh, judges, prosecutors, all kinds of professions. People have been dismissed from their uh, work and more than 40,000 people have been arrested in this period. About 200 media outlets have been shut down and uh, Turkey... Uh, preserving its position as the top jailer of journalists in the world uh, has imprisoned more than uh, 140 journalists and uh, hundreds of NGOs have been declared as uh, apparatus of terrorism and they have been shut down including the one that I have been working for. So given all these things uh, I think it has not been so hard to consolidate power and authorities uh, since the coup attempt I think this also presents as a big problem that uh, there are some new allies coming into play and uh, this consolidation might not last as much as uh, it seems.
0: So, opening up quite a few issues here, and of course there's been some changes that have been afoot in Turkey, as you mentioned, even before the referendum, one example is the reforms to the education system and the introduction of a more conservative, if you will, curriculum. What have these changes consisted of?
1: Well, the Turkish education system actually is a very interesting one because since my childhood I can remember that almost every year there has been major changes into the the educational system. But this time it sounds definitely more conservative than before, but uh, it has been becoming uh, this over the years. It is not something that has happened overnight or uh, over the course of six months or a year even. But uh, with the new one, uh, the removal of uh, evolution theory seems to be the most striking outcome. And then... There is the inclusion of more extensive religious classes, and then the addition of July fifteenth's unsuccessful coup attempt in the social history uh, clo- uh, in the social history classes. But uh, what uh, the new uh, educational curriculum suggests, according to the Ministry of uh, National Education, is that it is going to present the young pupils with a national ideology, and from the national educational curriculum it has been uh, the parts regarding the foundation of the republic the early republican years have been uh, presented as less significant while transition to multi-party democracy which is uh, about center right uh, center right uh, political movements establishment in turkey is now becoming more and more significant in the curriculum. And inclusion of uh, democratization, the supposedly democratization of the educational system, uh, the most recent trend, uh, which is the conservative uh, center-right ideology, is now being presented to the children as uh, as the way to go. And uh, with the inclusion of the July 15 coup attempt in social history, it has also been interpreted as uh, that the Turkish educational system from now on will focus on education of values instead of just facts, and uh, I would like to also remind in this question that uh, in the previous years it has been suggested by uh, I believe it was the president or uh, someone in the government that why do people argue about uh, religion classes, why not about physics or mathematics? They are just as important. I guess that was uh, the reference regarding uh, the discussions over conservative educational curriculum. From what I understand, certain restrictions continue to be in place
0: against Turkish academics, and there have been instances of resistance on the part of some academics in response to these restrictions. Tell us some more about what has been happening.
1: To begin with, uh, more than a dozen universities have been shut down in Turkey, and over a thousand academics have been dismissed as well as part of the uh, as part of the purge after the uh, after the July 15 unsuccessful coup attempt. And although in the uh, in the immediate aftermath of the coup, it has been suggested that uh, the groups that are deemed as responsible for the coup, uh, meaning the former allies of President Erdogan. Uh, the Gülen movement, the, the academics or social uh, social officers, state officers related to this movement would be dismissed, and they would be charged with terrorism, etc. It has uh, very uh, very rapidly turned into a political witch hunt to uh, combine all the uh, all the political opponents of President Erdogan or the AK Party. And uh, as part of this, uh, hundreds of academics have been dismissed from their positions, all valuable professors and uh, researchers. But uh, as you have mentioned, there has been quite, uh, quite many cases of reactions and resistance uh, against, these, uh, against these dismissals. For example, the, at, in the Ankara University, professors uh, tried to enter the campus and the police has uh, stopped them from entering the campus even. So they have taken off their academic robes and uh, laid them in front of the policemen w- where the police have actually stepped over them. So that was a significant move. This has shown what kind of an attitude uh, our state currently has when it comes to academia and free thought and uh, research. But uh, I can proudly speak of my uh, home university, the Bosphorus University. Uh, students have actually started a, a resistance tent in support of the dismissed academics on the campus. Uh, for the first time in the last uh, so many years, uh, and some professors from Boazici University have also been dismissed from uh, their duties in fact not exactly dismissed but uh, the university tried to renew their contracts because they are foreign uh, professors but the higher uh, Supreme Board of Higher Education has refused to renew their contracts, so they have lost their jobs at the university. But their students, uh, saying that uh, these professors have been all-embracing uh, all and all-welcoming, uh, they have started a tent where they teach uh, courses willingly and freely to all the students, and they invite everyone to come together and listen to the lectures, and they have started a series of events which are quite inspirational and I have uh, personally visited this stand a couple of times and I will visit uh, them again. So uh, street academia kind of uh, attitudes are rising at the moment. It is becoming more and more uh, common to see in Turkey that uh, some of the dismissed academics uh, set up street academia lectures and they just talk to uh, the people who are interested in their topics and they just inform the society. They're actually establishing bigger connections, more connections to the society and the streets. So the the 10th lectures, I believe, uh, are going to cause some very deep social change in the future uh, in Turkey as long as uh, they can uh, persist in their presence.
0: We are speaking with Turkish journalist Gürkan Osturan here on and The Alogos Radio in the Lealogos interview series. You write for what could be described as an alternative news outlet. What are the challenges that you face in doing your job as a journalist in Turkey today? And how has press freedom been challenged in the past year and especially since the coup attempt?
1: Well, to begin with, I actually would call it as a citizen journalism platform rather than alternative news because of the uh, negative connotations of alternative in the past year, especially after the announcing of post-truth age. But uh, of course, focusing on news is uh, quite a bit of a task these days, and especially the way to avoid propaganda is uh, another thing. What we are trying to do as uh, Dokuseki's news uh, agency is that we try to focus on code of ethics and uh, ethics of journalism. And we try to focus on the news, uh, the news itself, naked truth itself, and the news that are being neglected by the conventional media. We try to focus on things that matter to the society, that we, pr- uh, that we think are crucial to the uh, progress of the society. And we try to present this in a way that is as uh, as basic as possible so that it gets understood and there is no manipulation. Each uh, reader uh, should be able to form their opinion about this. And uh, as I have stated earlier, we put uh, journalism ethics at the very core of what we do and we try to be a uh, source of verified re- reliable and accurate information for the n- needs of the society and uh, in order to check what we are what we are doing we have actually conducted a social media percep- perception research and we have found out that we are actually doing uh, quite a good job uh, when it comes to news in turkey that uh, our followers are actually from various backgrounds, various political, ethnic, religious, etc. Uh, kind of backgrounds. They do not come from one specific area, so it is not a partisan kind of media, but uh, it is, uh, it's a news source that, uh, uh, if I may say, all sides can actually trust and uh, perceive as, uh, as reliable.
0: What are the challenges and the obstacles that opposition parties in Turkey are presently facing? For instance, from what I understand, the co-leader of the HDP, which is the third largest party in Turkey, has been imprisoned and has begun a hunger strike. What has been going on with the Turkish opposition?
1: Well, the Turkish opposition is as divided as uh, pieces of a mosaic, even though they make up uh, one big piece of uh, opposition. Even though, as uh, as the opposition, if they were united, they would be the biggest uh, form of political influence, uh, they are completely divided and in uh, small pieces. Uh, Even at the time of the referendum, when the sides are so clear that there are only two sides to be voted for, each side actually uh, is focusing on their electorate, and they are trying to keep their water base intact. And uh, before that, of course, I would like to mention the HDP co-leaders, both of them in prison and more than 10 deputies uh, of HDP in prison, and dozens of HDP uh, municipalities have been taken over, uh, They uh, trustee, uh, trustee mayors have been appointed uh, in their places. So political imprisonment definitely is an obstacle. Across the, at, across the uh, Turkish political uh, opposition parties. So, what happens when the road to political solution is blocked by the government? Unfortunately, this uh, question has a very dark answer, which I'm trying not to even think of. Because uh, for years, uh, in Turkish parliament, they have been saying that the people fighting in the mountains should come down to the valleys and they should conduct uh, politics, they should be involved in political solutions. And they should be actually willing to head for a peaceful resolution of the ethnic problems, ethnic tensions in Turkey. But unfair election atmosphere, use of state resources by the governing party for the governing party and the system favoring the governing or the winning party and this party uh, going out of line to prevent uh, these other uh, smaller parties from coming up with their solution proposals, uh, from uh, naming their demands in the parliament, this does not seem like it is going to go for a very uh, long time and uh, definitely not for a peaceful future. And on the other hand, there is the main opposition CHP, the Republican People's Party, that is unable to adapt to the 21st century politics and focus on the individual and group rights. So that is a whole another another discussion, but I believe what we lack in Turkey is, uh, in fact, liberal and progressive parties that are uh, able to address to the needs of the society uh, from all kinds of backgrounds, regardless of ethnic, religious or uh, lifestyle differences.
0: Tayyip Erdogan seems to have opened up recently to certain segments of the Kurdish population asking for their support in the upcoming referendum. How is Erdogan potentially playing various Kurdish factions against each other, and how do you believe Erdogan would respond to the potential partitioning of Syria and Iraq and the creation of a Kurdish state?
1: Well, uh, in Turkey if a political party wants to pass any kind of uh, any kind of uh, proposal at this point, I believe they would need uh, the Kurdish vote. Without the Kurdish vote, it seems un- unlikely. For example, if we focus on the uh, upcoming referendum, the yes vote definitely needs the support of the Kurds or at least the absolute silence of the Kurds. In 2010, when the, the kurdish party uh, has had announced that they would not participate in the uh, in the referendum because this does not present any kind of uh, viable uh, alternative uh, f- for the future of the kurdish population this has actually been perceived as a silent approval of uh, the constitutional referendum and it had passed with flying numbers because in the west uh, the the alliance of the right-wing parties allowed this to happen. So uh, recently, the northern Iraqi Kurdish leader, Barzani, had been invited to, to lure in the Kurdish vote, in fact. And over the years, I think this has been a strategy of the Turkish state to uh, divide the Kurdish population, and depending on the leadership of uh, each side, Uh, to lure in some of the Kurdish supporters so that uh, the governing party or the governing mentality would actually get some support and uh, in exchange the Kurdish leaders would be given certain benefits or advantages. So without security in the region, how could the Kurdish population actually show interest in this referendum? Uh, Seeing that saying yes would lead to a uh, one-man system, a constitution that allows uh, one party and one person to take over the whole of state, and on the other hand, voting for uh, voting for no means going back to the 1982 uh, constitution that actually does not even refer to Kurds or uh, other groups, and does not give uh, does not recognize any uh, liberals uh, liberal rights, and uh, without these. The, Kurd- the Kurdish population would not really uh, be too inclined to uh, show up at the, uh, on the day of the referendum. So given that the, the nationalist movement party's voter base is divided, the Kurdish vote would be crucial uh, at this point for uh, the governing art party.
0: We are on the air with Turkish journalist Gurkan Osteran here on The Alagos Radio and The Alagos Interview Series. Let us look now at the love-hate relationship which seems to exist between Turkey and Europe. Tensions and rhetoric have flared recently between a Turkish government and the governments of Holland and Germany and increasingly we seem to be hearing Euroskeptic rhetoric from the mouth of Tayyip Erdogan and from other members of the Turkish government at least publicly. At the same time, there was apparently a meeting and a deal between erdogan and german chancellor angela merkel recently is there indeed a turn away from europe on the part of turkey or is there something else that is going on
1: the german chancellor angela merkel has actually arrived in turkey in uh, right before every election in turkey and this has been perceived as the support from uh, angela merkel towards uh, uh, towards ak party the ak party has uh, at first presented itself uh, as similar to the Christian democratic center right parties in Europe, and uh, Angela Merkel's CDU is uh, the epitome of this ideology. But uh, prior to that, I would like to mention a few things that have happened right after uh, Turkey has had this tulip crisis with the Netherlands and the whole of Europe later on. So uh, Prime Minister Rutte in the Netherlands has won elections that is congratulations there and then it is not the national elections in germany but uh, in Saarland, Merkel's uh, cdu has also won the uh, regional seats the federal government and then in the even in the bulgarian elections the center right party uh, which i was not ex- actually expecting has uh, made gains after the tensions with turkey and These seem like uh, they're going in line uh, with this international uh, tension uh, scenario. And uh, this reminds me of the 2009 Davos World Economic Forum and the tension with Israel. If you remember, uh, back then he was the prime minister. Uh, Prime Minister Erdogan had said one minute, he kept on saying one minute when he was denied uh, denied his uh, speech when uh, dur- during a discussion with Simon Peres. But the moderator had uh, suggested that he would shut uh, his microphone and this has caused uh, a good m- majority of the Turkish nationalist voters to rally around uh, their prime minister because he was perceived as a national hero. And when I speak to some of my Dutch friends now, they say that uh, their prime minister has stood up against Erdogan's uh, rigorous skeptical remarks and his uh, violent and hostile uh, ministers' uh, approach to the Netherlands. So uh, Rutte has been, uh, has been declared as the champion of democratic world uh, for uh, some of the Dutch friends, and in a similar fashion, Angela Merkel's popularity has been increasing, I guess, So this might be the case that uh, the European Central right is actually playing this uh, in order to sustain their their voters' support, and behind closed doors, uh, we cannot exactly know what might be going on, because I do not uh, think that Turkey is moving too much away uh, from Europe or from Germany, because no matter what happens, uh, Europe is still Turkey's biggest trade partner, and and no matter what happens, Turkey uh, is still very much in line uh, with the European political system, even though, uh, even though all kinds of conservative uh, policies are being adopted. This is actually more in line with the European-style uh, uh, right-wing politics rather than uh, the Middle Eastern-style conservative political movements.
0: How has the Turkish government used the issue of the refugees and migrants coming from Syria and elsewhere in the Middle East as a weapon or as a bargaining chip of sorts against the European Union?
1: It is very disturbing to see uh, the refugees and the migrants being uh, perceived as a bargaining chip around this table. Unfortunately, both Europe and Turkey and the United States have been accusing the migrants and the refugees of uh, being something much less than human. This unfortunately reminds me of what has uh, what had happened in the uh, Second World War when it came to uh, the Jewish refugees. If you remember, P- re, uh, PEW Research had uh, announced some uh, data dating back to 1930s and 40s when it came to uh, perception of the Jewish refugees and the numbers had not actually changed much only uh, that uh, this time it is the Syrian refugees, but uh, the Turkish government is obviously not approaching this issue as humanely as it should. Well, first of all, Turkey has still not ratified the Convention on uh, the Refugee Rights, that the Syrian people are not perceived as refugees in Turkey, but just stateless, uh, no, not stateless, but uh, just guests at the moment. And in the meantime, the European countries are also guilty of uh, shutting the gates against the refugees. So there is a big international crisis in there. But the Turkish government has uh, threatened Europe several times that they would unleash the refugees and open the gates and flood Europe with refugees. And uh, they have used this to manipulate European support or uh, to get benefits from Europe. And uh, there had been talks of uh, visa-free travel in exchange for keeping the refugees and uh, accepting the uh, refugees back in Turkey from Europe, which I believe is definitely not uh, moral or humane. But unfortunately, this, uh, this was the standard of the negotiations and the discussions between Europe and Turkey, and there are no, uh, there are no moral or innocent sides in this discussion.
0: Well, Garkhan, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today here on the Dialogos Radio and the Dialogos interview series and for analyzing these very important issues for us.
1: Well, I'm glad to be of help. Thank you so much, Mihalis.